This podcast is a ministry of Christian Life Center in Berwyn, Illinois. Our goal is to create a real faith for the real world, and we hope this helps you grow. For more information at Christian Life Center, visit us at our website, www.berwynag.org. Thank you. Father, in Jesus' name, we come before you. We are excited, Lord God, to be in your word because your word has truth. Your word has life. Your word not only throws clarity on our life, Lord God, and our life situation, but your word also spiritually impacts us, Lord God, so that our lives are changed forever, Lord God. And and so I, I thank you for this chapter, Lord, tonight that we're going to read together. And I thank you for the power of your word. I pray that you would release your word into the lives and the hearts of people who are here hungry for you, Father God. Hungry for the power of your spirit to be moving in them, Lord God. And I pray that you would release that in them, Lord God, as we read your word tonight. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through through baptism into death in order that just as Jesus was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If we have been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection, for we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body of sin may be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we also will live with him, for we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, He cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let your sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness, for sin shall not be your master, because you are not under the law, but under grace. What then shall we say, because we are not under the law, but under grace? By no means shall shall we sin, because we are not under law, but under grace? By no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone To him as slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you wholeheartedly obeyed the form of teaching in which you were entrusted. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. I put this in human terms because you are weak in your natural selves, just as you used to offer the parts of your body in slavery to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer them in slavery to the righteousness leading to holiness. And when you, were, when you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things that you are now ashamed of? Those things resulted in death. But now that you have been set free from sin, 
you have become slaves to God. The benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We, we recognize the truth of that very last verse. Amen? So we're here tonight looking at this, and we're trying to see the baptismal symbolism. Of course, we, we see it in every baptism. We, 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 we see it, but... Paul begins this and, and asks this question in, very, in verse 1. Shall we go on sinning that grace may increase? Some people have been saying that Paul says you can live your life anyway because God will be glorified. Even if you're a sinner, God will be glorified. That God, God uh, is, uh, has called us to live a life of holiness. And so Paul reacts to that with the strongest negative Greek word possible. Meganoita. It means no way Jose, that's what it means. No way. There's no possible way. It's the strongest word in Greek for shall we live, shall we then go on sinning? He says, not a chance. No way. By no means. There's no way this could even be the reality of, of what we're talking about. This is in reality uh, uh, totally opposite of what God wants. God doesn't want us to live in sin, but he wants us to live under grace. And so he, he strongly reacts to that. In verse 2, he says, don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? In fact, in verse 2, he tells us that we've died to sin. We are dead to sin. We, we, we've already, now you notice it doesn't say we, we should die to sin or we ought to die to sin or make it your best effort to die to sin. It doesn't say any of that stuff. He says, you already are dead to sin. You already are dead to sin. When you look at yourself in the mirror, you need to be able to look at yourself and say, I am dead to sin. How do I know that I'm dead to sin? Because I was joined with Jesus in the baptismal tank. I, I became one with Jesus in his death, therefore I become one with Jesus in his raising up. So when we baptize someone, we, we don't baptize infants, we only baptize people who can make a decision for themselves. And so... Um, so when we baptize someone, we baptize them with the idea that uh, this whole thing uh, resembles a death process. So oftentimes you'll see me uh, hold my hands, one hand on their back and another hand on their, their hands as they're holding their, and, and I baptize them into the name of Jesus. We dunk them into the water. We don't hold them down there for a long time. We dunk them down in the water. That, that represents their death in Christ. It's a perfect example. We'll just leave that one bubbling there for a little bit. Perfect example of that one being uh, uh, joining in the death of Christ. They're under, under the water. There's no, uh, obviously, there's no physical reality. There's the, they may be dirty, but maybe it's washing that, them clean. But the reality of it is there's no spiritual cleansing that happens to this dear brother who's now bubbling underneath the water saying, please, Pastor, pull me up. And then, I, and then when I lift him up and I pull him out, it's an example of, because in reality, no one comes out of the, of the, of the grave, and so, except Jesus. And so when, when we pull him out of the tank, the symbolism is there that we've been joined with Christ in his death, and we're, we're now joined with him in his raising up, in his resurrection power, the resurrection power of Christ that, that came in us. If the same spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead now dwells in you, it will quicken your mortal body, the Bible says. And so the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the same spirit that 
works on the inside of every single Christian who's following the Lord. Every single Christian has the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, I don't know about you, but that makes me excited. Every single Christian has this, this spiritual power, this supernatural power. You say, well, this is kind of heavy theology, Pastor. Well, don't get caught up in the theology. Just get caught up in the symbolism, what it is that Paul is saying. Paul's saying that the Spirit of God is at work on the inside of you. You say, but you don't understand. I'm not perfect. God already knows that. He knows you're not perfect. That's why he wants you to join with Jesus. And once you're joined with Jesus, you're dead to sin. You're dead to sin. Look at your neighbor and ask him, are you dead to sin? Are you dead to sin? If they don't answer yes, ask them again until they get it. Because some people are thick-headed. They don't get it. Are you dead to sin? Yes, I'm dead to sin because I gave my life to Christ. I surrendered my life to Christ. I joined myself to Jesus. You know, uh, there's a lot of things in the world you could join. But when you join yourself to Jesus, you have the eternal benefit of your sin your, and the death of, death of your sin happens in that process. And it's all demonstrated for us in the symbolism that happens in baptism. He says in verse 8 that our old self was crucified with him. That old person that we used to be. We don't have to get caught up in what we used to be or what people used to say about us or what people are still saying about us based upon our old behavior. Now, if people are still talking smack about you because of the way you behave now, then you have an issue. You need to go take that to the cross. But if people are still talking smack about you because of stuff that you did in the past, that your past is dead. There's no condemnation. Pastor Seth declared that over the congregation tonight. We're, 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 we're dead into sin and we're free. Our old self was crucified with him. The old man that we were, the old person that we were, is crucified because that body, he says in verse 8, that body was ruled by sin. People ask about this shooter in Las Vegas. People say he's mentally ill. Other people conjecturing that he was an angry old white man. As an angry old white man, I can tell you that's a possibility. Uh, there, there's, there's a lot of things, but the, the, the reality of it is we see somewhere in this, in this chapter, as we are reading it, or as I was reading it at the beginning of the, ser uh, the sermon, something leaped off the, of the page to me, and it's, it talked about wickedness, this ever-increasing wickedness. It talks about ever-increasing wickedness. wickedness. Wickedness doesn't stay the same. It's not stagnant. It grows, and it grows, and it grows, and it grows, and it left unchecked, it will, it, will, it will make you nuts. It will make you crazy. It will make you, it'll, it'll drive you insane. And so I don't know what, what happened to this man that shot up all those people. And it's too close to the thing for me to even care, to be quite honest with you. It's too close to the event for me to care what happened to that guy. I'm worried about the families of the victims and these other people. Maybe I'll get spiritual later on. But right now, I, I'm not so, so connected to that. But right, the, the reality of it is, some evil is being worked out in the earth as we go on, and we see it happening. And have, Now, some people say, well, you had all those guns, but I know dozens of people who have closets full of guns that don't do that. It's, it's something that happened in the inside of that man's heart. All the issues that we have in our society, by the way, the, all the issues that are really difficult to deal with are heart issues. They're all heart issues. 
right? Feeding the poor is a hard issue. Uh, Handling violence in our streets is a hard issue. All these issues are hard. The best thing you can do for the world around you is to live your life as a free man in Jesus Christ so people can taste and see that the Lord is good just by looking at you. To be a good advertisement for the Lord everywhere you go. Have you ever watched a commercial for some food place and as they're it always looks better on the commercial than it does when they flop it on your plate and hand it to you in the restaurant, doesn't it? I mean, always, you know, when they, the burger is just so and the cheese is always triangularly, you know, on there with all the corners pointed and the guacamole looks beautiful on there. When you get it in the restaurant, the cheese looks like it was thrown from across the room. The guacamole looks like it's been sitting out for four days. But, but you know what I'm saying is what I'm, what I'm saying to you is, is, is the, the advertisement. We're supposed to be that advertisement that makes people's spirit water like a mouth waters for a good hamburger. We're supposed to be, the Bible says we're supposed to look good and smell good. Somebody say, well, where do you get that? We are supposed to be the savor of life, the, 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 the scent of life to people. You know, people are supposed to say, oh, what does he smell like? Oh, he smells like eternal life. I, I like that smell of eternal life. And that doesn't mean you can't wear brute or whatever it is that you wear. But, you know, you have, to, you have to have the scent of eternal life with you wherever you go. You have to be advertising by the quality of your life. There are people in my life, I can point to them, who were so deep in God's spirit that they made me hunger for more of God. I remember Julio, who was uh, the, the head usher at the church that I got saved in. And Julio was the happiest usher on the planet Earth. I'm sure he's the happiest usher in heaven right now. Julio would stand at the back and sing as loud as if he was sitting in the pew. And if you came to him, if you were a couple of seconds late for the service and you walked in, he would sing at you yeah, the words to the song, I just feel like something good is about that. It's a, it's a bulletin, brother. Take the bulletin. And then he'd take you by the hand. And he'd take you all the way down to the seat. He'd sing to you all the way down there. Boy, if you, if you weren't embarrassed by the time you got because there's this guy, he's a grown man singing to you, happy, smiling, never had a sad day in his life. You know, that's, that's the way he looked. It was the best advertisement for Jesus I ever saw. Just full of God and the Holy Ghost. And, every, and he would walk through the church and people would be smiling and laugh. You would see him and then you couldn't help but giggle. You would, have, you would like, I don't know what he's laughing about. I'm just happy to be around him. I'm happy to have a guy that's a friend that's that happy about something. You know, the world is a sour place, right? Right? We don't need any more sour pusses. It's not a gift of the Holy Spirit. We need to know that God has something powerful working on the inside of us and, and that the thing that God is doing on the inside of us is, is amazing and the world needs to know. So if God is doing something on the inside of you, would you tell your face to let it shine tomorrow? Would you do that? Would you tell your face? Because it's really hard to see Jesus in this really serious face. You've got to have the joy of God that flows out of you. It's got to be there flowing out of you. You say, well, I don't know if I always feel that. Well, then fake it till you make it, will you? I'm sure there were days when Julio didn't want to hand out one more stinking bulletin to anybody else that came into the church. But when you walked in, you got sung to. You got, there was another guy, who was, his name was Dale at that church, and he believed the Bible literally, especially that part where it says, Greet your brother with a holy kiss. And if you weren't watching out, 
he would come, he would come right up to you and he'd give you a kiss. And if you, as he was coming in for the smackdown on the kiss, if you happen to see a friend of yours and turn, you're getting it right on the lips. I mean, that was a, you, normally you get it on the cheek, but I mean, if you saw, hey, I, you know, you get. There were good, there were good pe- there's always good people in churches who have God, you know, people who love God. People who are hungry for God. Why? Because we know that our sins are gone. Everybody wave. Goodbye, good riddance. My, my sins are gone. My old self was crucified with Him. You say, well, how can, how, what does that have to do with living a victorious life? Because unless you know that that's the fact, Jack then you'll always be fighting dead sins. And you can fight dead sins. Remember the, you know, the story of uh, the guy who was, always, uh, uh, he was always fighting with windmills? Don Quixote, right? Always fighting with windmills. Didn't realize to the, you don't realize to the end of the book that he's, he's fighting windmills, right? And as... He's fighting, with, he's fighting with things that aren't even fighting back. That's what we're doing. We're, when we say, I just got to get victory over this sin. No, you don't. Jesus already did. You got to live in the victory that Jesus already procured for you. He bought it. He finished it. His blood is made. It's done. It's a done deal. You're free from the sin. Now live in that freedom. Christ died to sin once and for all, and He lives to God. And you die to your sin once for all, not every day. You die to your sin once and for all, and then you live every day unto God. Now there may be things that God reveals to you that are hidden things that didn't, that didn't go in the baptismal tank when you follow the Lord in baptism. The things that you just are finding out about and you need to lay those down. That's great, just lay them down because it's all covered under the blood. And you just lay those things and just keep... Keep living your life as though all that Jesus did on the cross was not in vain in your life. The Bible tells us that we can live as free men. And he tells us how to do that. The very first part he tells us in verse 11, he tells us the way we do it is the way that we think. Make sure that you think in a way that reflects what's accurate biblical theology. Thinking directs the rest of our life. Every sinful act begins with a thought, right? Every sinful, you know, long before you did it, you thought it, right? If you could nip it, nip it, nip it, like Barney Fife used to say. If you could nip it while it was in the thought realm, then it would never become an action, right? And once it becomes an action, and then you begin to repeat it, then it becomes a habit. Once it becomes a habit, then it becomes an addiction. Once it becomes an addiction, then you're bound up in it, and now you need deliverance to get rid of it. But if you could nip it in the thought life, then you would be free in Jesus, right? If you could, how many of you know that to be true? You say, I have stuff that I wrestle with, and if I could nip it in the thought process, then I would get So, So this is what he says. In the same way, verse 11, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin. Count yourselves dead to sin. Count yourselves dead to sin. So let's use an example. Let's talk about your diet. Counting yourselves dead to sin is the same as saying, I don't like greasy cheeseburgers. 
I used to like greasy cheeseburgers, but I no longer like, I am dead to greasy cheeseburgers. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, make this be true in my life. We begin to think of ourselves as dead to greasy cheeseburgers. We count ourselves dead to greasy cheeseburgers. Greasy cheeseburgers have no, no power over me. I love this cucumber salad that I'm eating here. I love it. It's as if we're, we're denying the reality of the hold that that had on the old man because the new man is cut from different cloth. The new man has to think differently. Has to, anyone who I know who's ever been successful in weight loss has always turned the page and said, now I begin right now and I'm going to live this way and this is the new me. Nobody says, Mondays and Tuesdays I'm going to be free from cheeseburgers, but Wednesdays through Sunday I'm just at the merciless will of cheeseburgers. No one ever says that and is successful in losing weight. So in the same way, we, we, have to, we have to make sure that we are thinking right. Are you thinking of yourself as a dead man? Are you thinking of yourself as a dead man when you're walking around? Is that temptation that catches your eye? Is that something that still, or do you say, well, that would have really got me before, but not now. I'm a new man. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, The old is gone, the new has come. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. You say, well, I don't always feel. Ah. Let me cut you off right there. You say, well, I wasn't even talking. Yeah, but you were in my own mind. We, we always confuse feelings with reality. Right? Come on now. We don't feel loved. How many people have shot themselves because or hung themselves because they didn't feel loved? Only to find out that those of us who are alive now look at their lives and say, and they're grieving because they love that person so much. They, it was based upon a false feeling. All right? You say, well, you don't understand what, what, what I'm going through. I, I have to acknowledge my feelings. No. Yeah, yeah, you have to acknowledge them, but you have to acknowledge them in the proper order that they are. Feelings cannot, cannot drive the bus. If your feelings... If your feelings, if feelings were, were, were able to drive the bus, I would have jumped out of my truck today and pounded the living water out of somebody right in front of me. But I can't. I would end up in jail if I, if I responded with my feelings, right? Right? Because you can't, you know, your feelings are liars. They're lying to you about the reality of, of yourself. So count yourself dead to sin. I would have pounded the water out of that guy, but I don't now because I'm a Christian. Behold, the old is gone, the new has come. Then verse 12 tells us, do not let sin reign in your mortal body. In other words, you have to be kind of picayune about the way that you, you review your life. You have to, Martin Luther, we're told, used to go as a monk and you know, I don't know how much trouble you can get in as a monk, but he was a monk, and he would, he would go, and then he would kneel at his, at his little wooden bed at night in the 1500s, and he would, he would pray and ask God to reveal to him sins in his own life. And, 
And I don't know if God ever revealed any to him, but the devil found a lot of them and just started giving it to him. And one time in a, in a, in a, a vision that he had one time, he saw the Lord on a, and he tried to approach the Lord, but out from the Lord's hand rolled this scroll full of sins that he had committed. All these sins, these, these lusts and these covetous thoughts and these hateful things and these judgments and these bad attitudes it just rolled out, written on a scroll, and it prohibited him. And, and, and he was bound up by all that stuff. He couldn't get beyond that until he came to the, 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 the truth of this scripture to realize that all that stuff is all old junk. Now, I'm speaking to some people who like to save old junk. Right? We have a lot of people who save old junk. You have things in your closet that you are never going to fit in. <laughs> let me be honest. It's just, let me be the bearer of bad news. It's not going to happen, honey. It's not, you're not going to get all of that into that little thing. It's not going to happen. That is never going to happen. So you would be better served to recognize that as the old you and throw it away and embrace the new you in the same way of this old stuff that we have in our life that hangs on. We have to be, we have to be uh, uh, brutal in it. We have to be, and so we have to examine our life. I think it's important to examine your life at the end of the day. Was I obedient to God? Where did I mess up? If you don't live a, an introspective life, if you don't take a moment, and I'm not saying obsess, you don't have to be compulsive about this, but take a moment and ask yourself, turn off the TV and just let, listen to the Holy Spirit and say, Lord, did I please you today? And God will be very faithful to say, yeah, except that one time when you jumped out of the truck and beat the water out of that guy, you know. And then, and then when you... When you lay that before the Lord, then you recognize that. Now you find it again in the thought pattern when it begins to reiterate, you know, go up against your mind again, begins to re-reveal itself. So the way you think and the way you live, you look at the way you live and you ask God to help you look at that way you live. And then in that way that you live, you're asking God to reveal that to you and you are ruthlessly looking at it. Do not offer your parts. Do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. He's not acknowledging... He's not acknowledging absolute purity. He's saying you do have evil desires even though you're dead to sin. He's acknowledging that those evil desires are there on the inside of you, but don't let those things reign on the inside of you. Reign is the key word there. They have to, they're the ones that are in control. When you reign, you're all in control. But when, but when you think rightly about your sin and you look, look at your sin, you, it's no longer the boss. And so when your feelings say, you know what you ought to do? Shut up. I'll tell you what I ought to do. I ought to live like a man or a woman of God, right? I ought to do what the Bible tells me to do. I should pray because I'm agitated. I should sing praises to God because I'm happy. I should do all this because of what God has done on the inside of me, not live by my feelings. Well, you don't understand all the things that I've gone through. Well, it depends on whether you're going to let your feelings reign or your faith reign. If you let your feelings reign, if you let sin reign in your body, then you'll always be under the dominion of that sin. And in effect, you're saying that 
the cross was no good for me because I'm allowing that to live in my life. Verse 13 says, Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. Here's the third aspect of it. The way you think, the way you live your life, and then the way you worship. You worship by offering God. These are the hands that used to steal, God. I offer them to you and say, would you help me to work hard for, to provide for my family and so that I can give to others. These are the eyes that used to lust, Lord. These are the eyes I give to you, and I ask you to help me to look and see the souls of those broken and hurting and wounded people that are all around me that I ignored routinely time after time. These are the feet, Lord God. You're, you're asking God to... Every tool on your body, every instrument on your body, you're surrendering. You're living a life entirely surrendered to God. So that every now you say, well, that sounds like work. It's not work, it's faith. It's like saying, God, here, here I am. Don't let these feet lead me astray. Feet don't fail me now. Right? Don't let these feet lead me not into temptation. Right? Don't, don't, let, don't let this back grow weary, Lord God. Don't let my mind grow weak, Lord God. See, the Bible doesn't say that we're supposed to love God once a week in church. The Bible says we're supposed to love Him with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And so we have to give God the, 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 the parts of our body as instruments, not of wickedness, but as instruments of righteousness that God wants to work in our life. And we offer ourselves then in obedience to God. He says in verse uh, 14, Sin shall not be your master because you are not under the law, but you are under grace. You see, if you were under the law, you would always be trying to perfect that last thing. But you're not under the law. You're under grace. And so you recognize that God may have not have ironed that wrinkle out, but it's on the board and the iron is hot. And God's going to get to it when God gets to it, right? And you can lay that thing down in the presence of the Lord. Then he tells us that we, we should experience real freedom in Jesus. He says in verse 17, you should, you should recognize that you were slaves to sin at one time. You say, I don't know that. Was I really a slave to sin? Well, could you stop it by yourself? No. You know, sometimes the more you tried to stop sin, the more you, you did it. Right? You told yourself, I'm never gonna, I'm never gonna eat another plate of barbecue in my life. I'm never going to eat, eat another piece of cake in my life. I'm never going to... Uh, this, this is the last diet I'm ever going to be on. That's just, Atkins is the diet for me. Remember when you said Atkins was the diet for you? Anybody? How many of you have been on Atkins diet before? Raise your hand. Come on. I'll give you the glory of the Lord. Raise your hand. Yeah, only meat and vegetables. You can eat as much of it as you want. I took my wife to a place where I bought a 64-ounce porterhouse. Because I, when I am on a diet, I like to test it and see if it really works. <laughs> so we went, I got a 64-ounce porterhouse, and I ate the whole porterhouse and a couple of pieces of broccoli, and she ate the giant football-sized baked potato that came with it and a few carrots and things like that that were, were there on it. And, and so uh, and we split the whole meal, and we went out of there, and uh, she did great, actually, I, on the other hand, didn't poop for three days, so, which is a side effect of Atkins. I'll just let you know that in case you, maybe that was too much information there. I don't know. But, but it is what happens. I'm just saying. It's just, a, it's not, it's, give the glory to the Lord. That's what happens. That's not just being honest. So, so sometimes we, you know, 
we, we say I'm not going to, but then we, we, you know, the whole point of, of the diet was to eat less, but I somehow made it eat more to the point where I, I couldn't. Well, anyway, so. You were slaves to sin, but now you have come to obey this pattern of teaching that has claimed your allegiance. What a powerful verse that is. This pattern of teaching that has claimed your allegiance, you, you now are, are obedient to that. And so you have been set free. We sang about it tonight. We declared it tonight. We believe it tonight. We are free. We are free. No strings on us. The old life doesn't have hold of us. No sinful uh, hooks in us. We are free in Jesus. We are free. We used to be slaves to sin, but now we're dead to sin. And, and how many times do you have to, how many times does a slave have to die? I'm, you know, we, we have a history of slavery in our country. You don't, you don't see anybody propping up dead slaves, right? Once a slave was dead, they buried the slave and they moved on, got another slave to do the work, right? Because once that slave is dead, he's dead. There's, he, death freed him. In the same way, you may have been slaves to sin, but when you died to sin, your death to that slavery freed you. So don't allow that enemy of yours to prop you up as some kind of dead memorabilia to your slavery. You're free. You can live free in Jesus Christ. You can live your life, walk your life, act free in every respect in your life. That's the good news, isn't it? We have righteousness because of what Jesus did at the cross because we partook at it in the baptismal tank because we joined ourselves to Jesus when we became believers. Now we recognize the truth of it is that when we joined ourselves to Jesus, we became free from this old life, from these old sins, from that old slavery, and now we're free from that. The freedom is ours. I pray that you get this. I pray this isn't a sermon. I pray this is a revelation to your life so you recognize I am not bound by that stuff. And as you do that, as you recognize that, then this whole other aspect of the slavery comes back in. Now he says in verse 18, you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. Wait, I was only free for a minute. You've been set free from the law of slavery to your sin. And now that God has set you free, what will you do? What does a good man, what does a righteous man do with his, his freedom? He lays his freedom down as an offer of worship to the one who set him free. It's, you, you have seen these movies before where some guy saves some other guy's life and then he has to serve him 
all the days of his life until he, he can pay back that thing, right? It's an act of worship. Well, we're not trying to pay back anything, but, but once we recognize that I've been bought with a price and that my life is not my own and this freedom that he gave me, he gave so that he could glorify himself through me, then I lay my life down to him is the only proper way. Uh, Romans chapter 12 tells us about this. It's the only way to really worship God is to lay your life down as a living sacrifice and say, God, glorify yourself through me and work on the inside of me so that everything that I need, to, I lay myself down, I will be your slave. And I make myself a slave to righteousness. And it says, if I put this in human terms because you are weak in your natural selves, just as you used to offer your parts of your body in slavery to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer them in slavery to righteousness leading to holiness. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the things that control, from the control of righteousness. And what benefit did you reap in those things that you were ashamed of? The result was death. That's the payoff for sin. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. But now you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to God. The benefit leads to holiness. And so how do we respond in that? Well, we respond by very simply laying ourselves down and saying, God, this is who I am. Everything I am, everything I'm not. Everything I want, everything I've already got. Everything, God, everything, I lay it down before you. It's full and total Surrender to worship. And when we become people who live our life in that freedom, it looks like freedom to the rest of the world. But we know we're slaves to righteousness because God is calling us into the next realm of holiness. Thanks for listening to today's message. We hope you were blessed by it. If there's anything that we can do to help you further your relationship with God, we would love to be a part of it. You can contact us through our website, www.berwinag.org. Thank you, and God bless.